0: Praise the Lord, amen. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering this morning, man. That's awesome. What a, what a wonderful presentation, amen. Super big blessings to everybody that helps our babies, amen. Aren't they awesome, amen? So thankful for everybody that puts in such, such diligent labor, amen. What a beautiful day it is. Will you look at your neighbor and say, man, you look beautiful today? Come on, somebody, look beautiful, amen. Come on, guys, I'm trying to get you out of the doghouse. Come on, that's your opportunity to say, girl, you're looking fine today. (laughs) What an awesome day it is to be in the house of the Lord. What a beautiful month it's been. In the month of October, we've been celebrating pastor appreciation. Amen. And so, so many wonderful people. And we still got another Sunday. We still have still servants and leaders and pastors in the Lord that we're going to celebrate even next Sunday. And, and we are just having a wonderful time doing that. How many know it's it, it, we should give honor where honor's due, right? And it is so do them. And so what a wonderful uh, presentation there uh, to uh, our labors and faith. Amen. What a blessing. Amen. It's been uh, to be part of that over the last several weeks. And we've just been celebrating one another. And I'm just so honored uh, to see so many people just walking in, in ministry and in purpose. And it's just such a wonderful thing to do. Amen. Listen, some of y'all know that we started a new series last Sunday, amen, in, in a series entitled, Thy Will Be Done. And we had an awesome time last Sunday talking about the highs and the lows. How many know there's highs and lows when you're doing the will of the Lord, right? And so we talked about the highs and the lows, and today we're going to be talking about another nuance, and this is the last nuance I'm going to speak about next Sunday as we get into a few more discussions about the will of God. We're going to get into some particulars, but I'm just trying to lay down a little bit of precedent, a little bit of groundwork so that you can begin to comprehend the will of the Lord. We're talking about the will of the Lord today as a love-hate relationship, a love hate relationship. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we get into the reading of the word of the Lord today. We're going to get into some scripture reading. I pray you've brought your Bible with you. Uh, we're going to get into some conversations uh, about the Lord. And in fact, uh, some of you that have been um, been uh, a, a part of this series, last week we had a good time in the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Uh, we had a good time in the Lord. And so we're going to be talking about that will be done. This is a love-hate relationship. Let me do this. If you have your Bible, let's go to 1 Kings. Some of y'all know I've been using this man by the name of Elijah. Uh, We're going to be talking in the next few days. We're going to get on Mount Carmel. We're going to get to uh, a place where we can uh, most uh, steadfastly hear the word of the Lord uh, uh, on that mountain. But more importantly, we're going to set up a precedent here today as we're talking about this particular occasion as uh, Elijah is about to call all of the prophets to Mount Carmel. But I just think you ought to hear this passage, um, this wonderful passage. In fact, I'm just kind of perusing through, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, let's start here. First Kings chapter 18, I I had a reference here, but I think I'm going to start here, um, verse 7. And I'm going to read that all the way down, I'll take this all the way down. I'm going to take this all the way down to verse 21. Amen. So we'll go verse 7 to verse 21. It's not too difficult to get. It reads as a narrative, so we'll be able to follow through quite easily. This, of course, is Elijah. You all know that last week when we talked about him, he delivered a word to King Ahab that there would be no dew nor rain except at his word. And so we are now hearing that now Elijah is a hated man. He's a ridiculed man. He's a man of isolation because he is a God pleaser rather than a man pleaser. And we find him here uh, coming on his way back to speak with King Ahab. This is verse 7, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 7. And I'll just start there. I'll begin begin reading there and you'll get the gist as we begin to read through some of these verses. It begins like this. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he knew him, fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, what, I, what, ha, what, what have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? Of course, Elijah was, at that time, uh, people were looking for him and couldn't find him. He was a man of isolation, as I said before. And he was afraid that if Elijah didn't show that Ahab would slay Obadiah. Verse 10. And as the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whether my Lord hath not sent me to seek thee. And when they said, he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here. He was a man, a sought after man. He was a man on the run. And you'll see that there is a very dangerous pass here for Elijah. And it came to pass as soon as I am gone from thee and the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee hither, I know not. And so when I come to tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he will slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from, from my youth. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men in the Lord of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now thou sayest, Go tell thy, thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth. Before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Now listen to this verse, verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answers, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. And ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's house. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt? How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. And if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. We're going to stop right there. Are y'all ready? We're going to get into that conversation right there. Y'all want to pray with me? Let's just set all the things aside. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this moment of divine instruction, this moment where we get a chance to gather in the mind and the heart of God, the purposes of God. We pray today, Holy Spirit, that as we set aside all the things that would belabor our minds, things that would confuse our minds, things that are pressing us, stuff that, are, that is on our desk for Monday morning, things that must be accomplished this evening, that all those things would be put aside, that they would lay in wait until we hear the word of the Lord. I pray that every mind, every person, every faculty, every faculty, be so concentrated on the word of the Lord, on the mind of God, that today we would walk out of here with the new revelation, a fresh infusion of the mind of God to deal with life and life struggles. I pray today a move of God over every person in here who's come in labored and heavy through the cares and burdens of life, that as they leave through these doors, they would would find a relief. They would find a time of refreshing. They would walk in the rest of the Almighty. We pray your blessing, your help, your strength here today. We pray that this word falls on fertile ground, that it will produce back into the kingdom of God, not 30, not 60, but 100 times that which was sown. Let it be in the house of the Lord today. That productivity, that level of fruitfulness, let it abound in this house today. And we pray that together in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, it's so important that we go by and say hello one to another. Will you go find somebody and tell them, if you do the will of God, it's a love-hate relationship. Just go grab them and say, "If you do the will of God, it's a love-hate relationship." Amen. While people are moving about, it's so nice to see uh, guests and friends and new faces and familiar faces. Andy and Lupa, it's good to see you guys. What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. Briessen, it's good to have Briessen in the house of the Lord today. If you didn't get to see Briessen, how awesome is that? Amen. Uh, Jolene, and, and, and uh, I just saw her. Amen. I saw the family. She's got some friends. Jonathan, Caleb, brought a friend with them, guests. Amen. It's so nice to see so many beautiful, so many beautiful families. The Negra family, it's good to see you guys. What a blessing, amen. Been visiting with us the last several weeks. It's so nice to see so many family of Please pardon me if I, don't, if I miss you or don't acknowledge. Philip, it's good to see you. Good friend of David. So awesome to see the family of faith together, amen. We've, we've got some work to do in the kingdom of God, amen. And we're going to accomplish that work together this morning, amen. How awesome it is. How awesome it is. How awesome it is. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody's saluting one another in the faith. Amen. That is awesome. Let let me begin today's message the way I began it last week, by quoting a portion of Scripture out of Romans chapter 10. It begins like this. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh, Now watch the leverage that Paul plays in this scripture when he says this. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, how can they preach except they be sent? Do you realize today that you have been sent of God? Uh, Do do you know today that your relationship with God is so unique, so profound, so marvelous that God believes that he's going to send you to reflect his glory wherever God may send you? Would you look at your name and say, that's marvelous that God would use you to do his bidding. Do you realize how profound that is to know that you are sent of God? That that the will of God, the purposes of God, the mind of God, the love of God, the goodness of God abounds in you. And God is going to send you to a particular place that he may expound himself. That somebody might get an image of God. How many know what the world needs now is to see God? (laughs) What the world needs now is an image of God. And God is going to send you to do just that. Most of the time when you preach a message like that, there's some of you right now in the back of your minds wondering, is pastor talking about me? Well, you look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking about you. (laughs) Uh, let, let Let me break it down. Most people don't know how instructive this is. Do you know that if you don't embrace the idea that you've been sent, you will never do the will of God? Let me say that one more time. If you never embrace the idea that you've been sent, you can never do the will of God. Let me say it one more time. If you don't embrace the idea that God is sending you, you will never do the will of God. You say, well, preacher, how essential is the word of God? Jesus says it like this. Not everyone that comes unto me and says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many will come in that last day saying, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name do many wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Friend, listen, if you want to get to heaven, you have to do the will of God. It is the core essential of faith that God is sending you. Will you touch yourself and say, God is sending me? To tap your neighbor and say, God is sending you too. Catch this. You say, well, preacher, where do you get that doctor from? I'll just, I'll break it down for you. Do, do you know that Jesus began to teach in what we call the Sermon on the Mount? 400 years of the absence of the Word of God from the end of the book of Malachi to the day that Jesus stood up and began to preach the Sermon on the Mount, we had not heard the voice of the Lord. Now, friend, that's a long time. That's longer than America. From its foundation to even now, imagine America being without a word from God. Now, imagine the people who, to whom God Jesus is now addressing. You know what he says? The first thing that Jesus addresses on Sermon on the Mount is your attitude. Because how many know sometimes you need an attitude adjustment? Well, you look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about you. Because you got a bad attitude, right? An attitude, right? He addresses your attitude. He addresses your attitude by producing in you the idea that God is going to bless you. If you get your attitude right. How I many know the blessing is in your attitude? Then Jesus gets into the crux of it all. Jesus says this about you. Now catch this. You Embrace this. So I don't want you saying, oh, I wish my auntie was here. My auntie was here. She needs to hear that. Oh, with my cousin. Listen, this is for you. Listen. Listen what it says. Jesus says this. Ye are the light of the world. You. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it on a bushel but on a candlestick. That it giveth light to all that are in the house. Are y'all hearing this? So essential that you grasp the idea that you are the light. In a dark place. Somebody help me. What did Jesus say? Let your light so shine before men. That men might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You've been prepared to do good works. Uh, Let let me digress. Sometimes I go too fast. Does anybody here remember when you were in uh, your your Bible, when you were a little kid, in Bible class, you know, when you were going through, uh, you know, we used to have Sunday school. Anybody remember that, Sunday school? Yeah. We used to have what we call Sunday school. You went in and you learned the Bible. One of the first things they teach you as a baby is the golden rule. But you know the golden rule? Golden rule. Saint, in fact, it's, nobody's not in their head. Amazing, right? Open your Bible, St. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. You might need to memorize this verse. I'll quote it to you. <laughs> Check it out. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would have that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Jesus says, For this is the law and the prophets. This means that you cannot say, I'll stay over here, and you stay over there, and we'll have harmony. This doesn't mean, listen, you do it your way, and I'm going to do it my way, and therefore we have peace. That means you've got to go do to people the thing that you want people to do to you. In other words, you have something to do. Did you catch that? You have something to do. In other words, you've been sent to go do to people what you want done to yourself. How many times have you ran into people saying, oh, nobody said hi to me. And I don't know why people aren't friendly to me. And I, I went to church and nobody hugged my neck and everybody hugging everybody but neck but mine. Listen, go hug somebody's neck. If that's what you want, that's what you've got to do. I went to church and nobody gave me $20. They know that I need some gas money. Baby, you need to take 20 out of your pocket. Give it to somebody else. That way you might do to others what you want done to yourself. Anybody want something done? Go do it for somebody else. Jesus says this is a law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus is teaching you the whole of the Bible. In fact, I've often told people I can teach you all of the Bible in, in three seconds. Anybody want to learn the whole Bible in three seconds? I think that would be amazing. You learn the Bible in three seconds. You can go to work. a second. teach the whole Bible in three seconds. Simple. Love the Lord thy God with a heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the whole Bible. that surprise you? It's just that simple. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. This is the whole of the Bible. This is the law and the prophets. Do, do you know there was a, a chief Pharisee? This is St. This is Luke 10. <laughs> hope I got that right. St. Luke 10, there's a record of a man, a chief Pharisee, an attorney of the law... Who came to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that's a question, right? Anybody want to want to have eternal life? I'm not saying going to heaven. I'm saying having eternal life. Does anybody here know that eternal life is a knowledge of, of God and the one to whom he sent? How, do I, how can I get eternal life? And then Jesus says, what's written in the law? How readest thou? This is the only man in the Bible, the only Pharisee that was able to move beyond the Decalogue, the commandments, to actually state why we have the Ten Commandments. This is what he told the Lord. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. You know what Jesus says? Do these and live. But the Bible says he willing to justify himself asked, who's my neighbor? I mean, we don't have no problem loving God. Our problem is loving each other. We don't got no problems lifting up hands, holy hands to God. We just have problems being able to help each other, giving a helping hand one to another. And so then Jesus gives the parable that we've all heard of the Good Samaritan. Anybody remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Where Jesus says, There was one who fell among thieves. And they stripped him, and they beat him, and they left him half dead along the road. And Jesus says, as he was laying there on the side of the road, half dead, that a Levite came by. And the Levite, when he walked by, looked upon him, saw that he was in danger, but he didn't do nothing about it. He just kept on walking. This is a Levite. You know who a Levite is, right? He's part of the priesthood. He, he, he's of the tribe of Aaron. And a priest went by, did the same thing. And then Jesus said, but lo and behold, a Samaritan came by, and when he saw him, he saw he was hurt, and he went and he bound him up, dressed his wounds, took him to a place to stay, told the innkeeper, innkeeper, if he encumbers any more expense, I'll pay it. And then Jesus says, to whom of these three do you think were his neighbor? And so I suppose the one to whom he showed mercy, he says, you've judged rightly. He says, go and do likewise. You see, you've been sent to do good. Friend, if you don't get that in your spirit, you're just a religious man. You're a religious woman. You haven't encountered the fullness of the gospel of God, the purposes of Christ that God is sending you, friend. You are sent of God, you're sent of the Lord. So essential, friends, that you capture that because without that, the will of of God will suffer in you. Do you know that the will of God is the single greatest thing that could ever happen in your life? Do you know that in the will of God is your provision, is your safety, is your protection? Do you know that when you do the will of God, you please God and God moves upon that and the provision of God meets you and the blessing of God abounds in you. All you have to do is do that which God already gave you to do. Listen, if you leave here today saying, I am sent of the Lord, you are operating at the optimum of the kingdom of heaven. You are operating at the optimum of the kingdom of heaven when you do the will of God. Can I go a little deeper? What do you want to go a little deeper? I mean, you've been sent. Check this out. St. Luke 14 is a statement that Jesus made that if it wasn't written, people wouldn't believe Jesus said it. Because how many know Jesus says crazy things, outlandish things? You say, well, what are you talking about? Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. That's deep. (laughs) Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Right? We wouldn't be lifting up holy hands today. We'd be lifting up holy limbs if we took it literally, right? Jesus says some outlandish things, some crazy things, and if you're not in the spirit, you won't comprehend it. Catch this. I want you to hear Jesus say the single most radical thing he ever said in ministry, and if it wasn't written down, you wouldn't believe Jesus said it. Jesus said something so extraordinarily crazy that if you didn't believe if it wasn't written if the apostles didn't write it for posterity we would lose this statement altogether i want you to hear this and hear this well now, now, now it's written in saint luke 14 if you, you can flip your bible there you can kind of, i guess you were somewhere i don't know where i left you but you're somewhere in the bible <laughs> if you want to go over to saint luke chapter 14 let me teach you something about jesus so jesus was at a was invited to eat dinner, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach it the way Jesus taught it. Jesus is at a Pharisee's house eating dinner. While he's eating dinner at the chief Pharisee's house, this is a, this is a person of you know, the upper echelon. He's part of the, the elite, the, the spiritually elite, uh, pro- probably a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, this is a man of renown, a, a man who has position, ability. He's inviting Jesus to eat at his house. We don't know his name. The Bible doesn't give it. What we know is who's at the table. There is a man at the table eating who, ha- who is sick of the dropsy. Uh, dropsy is a way of the Bible telling you the condition, a renal condition or a cardiac condition. And that this man is distended with water. So you could tell that he's, he, he's swollen. He's at the dinner table with Jesus. How many you know it's odd to be eating dinner with somebody who's sick? Anybody ever see somebody sick and you're eating somewhere and you notice that they can't, and they're not really eating and they, they seem ill and it kind of affects your meal too? Y'all ain't hearing me. Y'all ain't hearing me. Right, so Jesus is eating. But while he's eating, he's seeing a man who's sick. And so Jesus says to the, to the, to the people there, the, the upper echelon, the religious people, he says this, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? This was a condition that Jesus had in the day. In fact, some of you know, St. John chapter 5, where Jesus was, was they, desired, they desired to kill him. Because he healed on the Sabbath. Caused a man to pick up his mat and walk on the Sabbath. Y'all know these stories. Uh, but the Bible says that Jesus asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they answered him, not a word. And so the Bible says that Jesus touched him and healed him. So he says, go ahead and go on home. And then he asks the religious leaders, which of you which has an ass or an ox that falls into a pit, will you not straightway deliver that animal out of the pit that they've fallen into? And they couldn't answer him a word. Jesus begins to teach this. Because he wants to talk to them about their pride. Because they're too busy being people pleasers and God pleasers there is, in that text, are you there in St. Luke chapter 14? There's a verse there, 11. We all quote verse 11, not knowing that that's the seesaw. It's, you know, the seesaw verse. I always look for seesaw verse. This is things that kind of balance the, the, the text, right? How, how many know what a seesaw is? Somebody knows? Do they even make seesaws anymore? Because if somebody chubby on the other end and you skinny on that end, it don't work, right? <laughs> Anybody ever getting on a seesaw and somebody jumps off and you come down like that? Yeah, we used to play all them games at school, but they don't even make seesaw. But a seesaw is a, in French they say is a this, that. The this, that of St. Luke 14 is verse 11. This is what it says. Whosoever exalted himself shall be abased. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's the this, that of that verse. That's how you know contextually what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about our desire to be people-pleasers rather than God-pleasers. It's a position of pride. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of the Father. Jesus addresses the this, that in your life. You've got this, that in your life. And every single one of us, we fight every day this capacity in us to want the applause. Applause. Uh, to want to, to wanna, you know, really, really move along the, 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 the tide of culture. Uh, we don't, we don't want to go against the grain. Uh, we want people to pat our back. We want the applause. Jesus says this. Watch all Jesus begins teaching. He said, when, when you go to a wedding, don't go to the upper room. Go to the lower room. Uh, don't take the high seat. Take the low seat. And then the one who invited you, when he sees you in the low seat, if he wants to lift you a little higher, then you get worship from everybody else. But always take the low place. Would you look at your neighbor and say, always go to the lowest seat? Because I'm here to tell you, in the will of God, there's highs and lows. Y'all better hear me. Y'all catch that? And then Jesus says that whoever exalts himself shall be abased. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Then Jesus takes the next step. Hey, next time you have a barbecue and a feast, you know how it is. We like to do barbecues. We're in Texas. The problem with our barbecues is that we invite the wrong people there. Jesus, next time you, you throw some tablitas on the grill. For a Caucasian when you put the ribs on the grill, you know. And then next time you put some real some Campbell sausages on, on the grill, don't invite your family. Uh, don't invite your mother and your brother. Don't invite, don't invite your sister. Instead of invite the poor, the mean, the afflicted, the down and out. Invite them. And then Jesus says when the kingdom comes back, God's going to recompense you. You want to go a little deeper because Jesus did. After he taught this, after he said this, somebody at the table said, blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. He says, you're right. And then Jesus taught this. There was a master who wanted to invite people over to a banquet. He had food ready. And he sent his servant out to invite those to come and eat. And when he went, the Bible says that that servant found one. He says, you've been invited to come eat. He says, oh, listen, I I just bought some land. I've got to go take care of it. Please tell the master to excuse me. He went to another of those that were invited. And when he got there, he said, oh, listen, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go prove them. I'm going to take them for a test drive. Please tell the master to excuse me. He went to another and The other one he went and said, listen, I just got married. I mean, I'm going to go on my honeymoon. Me and my girl, we're going to go have a time. We've got a timeshare on the other side of Jerusalem. We're going to go spend a few nights there. (laughs) Please tell the master to excuse me. When the servant went back to tell the master what was done, he was angry. And then God said something that is so profound. He says, okay, go into the city. Go into the streets and the lanes of that city. Go into the streets and alleys and find me some people. I don't care if they're poor. I don't care if they're maimed. I don't care if they're naked. I don't care who they are or what condition they're in. Invite them to come and eat with me. And the servant went and invited them all in. And he went back and said, Lord, I've invited them, but there's still room. Then he says this, go to the highways and to the hedges. Invite the poor, the lame, the afflicted, the broken back into my house. Invite them. And that's how you made it in. Somebody say hallelujah. Say you got in because you was on the highway, doc. You weren't even close to God. But he met you on the alleyway and and the highway and the byway and the hedge. And he brought you into the kingdom of God. And watch what the master says. Watch what the master says. Jesus says, This if any man come to me, listen, this is the verse, St. Matthew 14 26. This is the most radical verse that Jesus ever taught in the whole of the Bible. This is what he says. If any man come to me, listen, and hate not his own father, you know, your daddy. Papa, grandpapa, see, if you don't hate him, and if you don't hate your mother, come on, mama, come on, somebody say mama. You, you talk about Hispanics, man. We love our mama. Listen, unless you hate your mama. Jesus and your wife. Oh, here we go. Don't look to the left though you because she's right there looking back at you right now. Don't look over there. Stay straight, brothers. Just keep looking at me. Act like you didn't hear nothing because she's looking at you right now, right? Because you hate your wife. Check this out. And children and brethren and sisters, yea, your own life also. Listen to this. You cannot be my disciple. Could I suggest to you. Can I say something so radical? I I pray that you hear that. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of the Lord. This is our master talking. Can I say something to you that I believe can radically transform your life? A simple statement, and I pray you hear it Oh, I pray, God, I've been praying today that this word fall on soil ground, pliable ground. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. You will never love anybody in your life more than when you hate them in Christ Jesus. Let me say that one more time. You will never, ever, ever love anybody in your life more than when you hate them in the love of Christ. You got to catch that. Because everything is competing against doing God's will and you doing your will. You, you want to make heaven? You you want to see eternal life in this world? You got to hate your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters and your children and anything else that competes with the will of God in your life. This is what Jesus says. But do you know that if you do the will, if you do that will, the love that God impresses upon you and the provision of God that places upon you And the hand of God that's upon you, your family will walk and eat and live out of the will of God. They will say there is a God in heaven. They will see God move miraculously for you. You will see the purposes of God unfold themselves in your life. Oh, the beauty of doing it God's way. The beauty of doing it God's way. The beauty of doing it God's way. Listen, and some of your parents, some of you mothers and fathers would do well to tell your kids, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord here. Baseball's not more important than God. A soccer game's not more important than the things of God. A play, anything else, their education, anything else, it's not more important than doing the will of God. And friend, you've got to teach that to them. They've got to know that God is numero uno. Somebody say numero uno. Somebody say God is number one. I mean, he's the whole that. He's all that and a bag of chips, baby. That God is number one. Number one. Somebody say number one. Will you get up right now and hug somebody and say, God's number one? God's number one. Get up right now and go find somebody and tell them God's number one. Because if you don't get that, baby, you ain't gonna get this message. God's number one. For all you parents, wondering why your kids acting up, man? It's because God isn't number one for all the trouble and strife in our lives would be eviscerated if we put God number one. Uh, can, 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 can I, can I kind of, I guess, draw out of my message just for a moment and tell you this. Part of the inherent nature of God is He's a jealous. God. How many know God's jealous? He isn't going to let you love him and somebody else at the same time. Uh, God is not going to be 90% to you and 10% something else. God is jealous for you. The Bible says he's a consuming fire. Isn't it nice to have somebody that loves you hotly, hot with hot ferventness? (laughs) Anybody know if you want love, you want hot love? How many want hot love? I don't want... Cold love, mediocre love. I want hot love. Somebody yell out hot love. <laughs> you got to get this in your spirit. God is a hot love proposition. It's either him or nobody else. He wants to be number one. He's not going to compete with anything in your life, just as you would never compete with anything in your life. It, it, wives, you know this. If your husband has another girl, you're not going to be hanging around. You don't. shouldn't be competing. I'm gonna sleep with you tonight and I'll sleep with her tomorrow and I say, Oh, you got the wrong lady. I believe in hot love. You gotta make up your mind which one you want. How many know your life what it needs is prioritization? Doesn't God deserve to be number one? I mean, you're acting like I'm twisting your arm. Okay, okay, he's number one. It does not God deserve to be number one in your life. I mean, I don't know nobody else who saved you. I don't know nobody else who promised you anything. I don't know nobody else who been that good to you. I don't know nobody else who has a power to save. I don't know nobody else who bled and died for you. I don't know nobody who's been as good to you as God has been good to you. Do I got a witness out there? I Man, if God had not been good, you can stay sitting down and say, I'm going to crop my arm. I don't want to hear this nonsense. But if God's been good to you, baby, you ought to say yes. He deserves to be number one in my life. God is number one. Easy number one. Nobody's even close to God. God is number one. Number one, number one, number one. Nobody competes with God. He's number one. He's number one. Nobody has ever done you like God has done you. Look at your neighbor and say, God ain't twisting your arm. He deserves it. My God deserves to be number one. I mean, He's all that and a bag of chips. I love Jesus. I love God. It's easy to make him number one. And anything that tries to get close, I hate it. I hate anything that tries to get close to my number one. You see, he's jealous for me and I'm jealous for him. You don't think so? Try to get close to my wife. Y'all ain't hearing me. I'm jealous for my kids. Test me. I'm super jealous for my little grandson. Test me. I'm jealous for God. Do you know my jealousy for my God, my love for God, anything else looks like hate? Because I'm in a love-hate relationship. I love God and God only. Everything else is Irrelative. Except where it meets the will of God. I'm called into that level of intimacy with my father. He's number one. And friend, I'm here to tell you, if God never becomes number one in your life, you will never do his will. You haven't haven't come into the first facsimile of following Christ. It's a love-hate relationship. Listen, you're not going to be able to please everybody. How I many know there's a lot of people in here today? All you're doing is trying to please people. And if you're gonna do the will of God, He's gonna upset some of your relationships. Listen, friend, I'm here to tell you when you do the will of God, you're gonna say some things that upset people. And if you're always trying to be that amicable one, if you're always trying to be that little social butterfly, and you always want to be there at the, at the coffee table or at the, at where they drink water, where they have lunch at work, and you're always trying to do this and that, trying to please people, you will never do the will of God because the will of God will set you at variance with people. Parents, listen, quit trying to be your children's friends. God didn't call you to be nobody's friend. Called you to be a mother and a father. Be one. Church, hear me when I tell you that this world will try to get you all contorted, all twisted. You'll be like a pretzel with salt. (laughs) Trying to please everybody. Trying to act this way and the other. Trying to do it this way and that way because you don't want to offend nobody. You don't want to say nothing to go against the grain or hurt anybody's feelings. Isn't it a relief to hear the preacher say, Love God. Be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. You've been sent to please God, not men. He didn't send you out there to get their opinion, He sent you out to get His opinion. Listen, I know I, I'm in 1 Kings, I'm getting there. Just give me a moment. You say, well, Passion for God is text. No, I didn't. Been meditating these things my whole life. Check this out. Let let, let me help you. Jesus said something in St. John chapter 5. In fact, if you have your Bible, St. John 5, I think it's a B verse you may want to read. St. John chapter 5, verse 44, this is what he says. Jesus says this to the upper echelon of the day, to the religious people. He said this How can ye believe? The statement. He, he, he's not saying it as a question. He's saying it as a statement. How many know sometimes a question is a statement? Right? How dare you? It's a statement. It's not a question. Jesus, how can ye believe? You, you there? St. John chapter 5 verse 44. How can you believe? What was the condition? He said, how can you believe? When you're always trying to find What does he say? Which honor? Yeah, it's from one another. When we refuse to seek the honor that comes from God only, who do you want to please? You want to please men or God? And friend, I've come to tell you that if you're going to do the will of God, which is a predicate for being in the kingdom of heaven, which is a predicate to say, a foundation to say, that if you want to be with God, you have to do His will. You can only be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. And the things you're going to say are going to upset people. Could I suggest to you to say that when you start doing the will of God, you will no longer receive invitations to parties. Touch your neighbor and say, you ain't going to no more parties, dog, you do do work. <laughs> Whenever they get a get-together, you're just going to be conveniently left off of the guest list. Because you're the one that says the things that are inconvenient to the way people live their lives. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and be rude. The Bible says that when we restore each other, we restore it with gentleness and meekness and spirit. Listen, I'm not saying to go around and tell everybody, listen, you're going to hell if you don't get right. I'm not asking you to go out and point people the direction where hell is. I'm asking you to do the will of God and to please God. Sometimes we have to say things to people that's inconvenient to the way they're living their lives. But you will never love anybody anymore than when you love them out of your hatred. It's the purest form. Because you're no longer seeking their approval, you're seeking God's approval. Do you know that when you start doing that, God will start raining in places you never thought God would rain? Do you know that when you start saying, God, I'm going to do it your way, that all of a sudden provision meets you and the hand of God shows up and you'll see the blessing that you've been searching for? Because I know what you're saying. Listen, if I keep God first, I can't keep this second job. You're right. Yeah, you just heard me when I said I just said it. That Listen, you can't keep God first and your job first too. I got one amen. I appreciate you, Sister Sean. I know that you, my my, my ear said, that's Sister Sean. She's somewhere right in there somewhere. I don't know where she's at, but she's somewhere like right in that general vicinity over there. Why wouldn't you want to keep God first? He's the source of it all. You want to see your ends meet? You want to see your finances come together? Keep God first. You want to see God do something supernatural in your life concerning the needs of your life? You want to see God do a miracle and show up and do some things and you say to yourself, I don't know how God did it, man, but listen, God, this happened and that happened and God turned that around. I got a promotion. I didn't even see that promotion. come. That's because you're keeping him first and God will bless your life. Because in his will is every provision, every blessing, every good thing exists in the will of God. And if you purposely lay hold of the will of God, God will do everything else. You say, well, where do you get that theology from? From Jesus. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, then all of the things shall be added unto you. Somebody say, "Added it unto you. It's not going to come with a burden. You're not going to be weighed down because, baby, God's going to add it to your life. I'm talking about the will of God. Oh, how I delight to do it. Do you know that my prayer life is nothing but the will? I don't pray nothing but the will. I don't want to know anything but his will. Father, I want your will. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Father, I'm your vessel. Do whatever you need to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, because I'm here to serve you and you only. Amen. Whatever I have to say, whatever you send me to do, I'm going to do it because you're God. And if you send me there, it's going to come out that way because I'm sent of the Lord. Will you tap yourself? Say, I'm sent of God. Let me show you how powerful this is being sent. Uh, Brother O. I believe I'm sent. Brother O. I believe that wherever God sends me, he can send me to the other side of the world I'm sent. He can send me across the street I'm sent. He could send me across these hallways. Today, I was kind of moving about, and I was talking to Edward, and we were kind of talking, and I was going to tell Brother Edward, Edward, hey, man, if you don't mind, uh, grab my Coke Zero, because I like drinking Coke. How many like Coke Zero? Only, only a few of us. rest of y'all line over at right, school. So I, so I said, I'm going to get some So when I turned, I was actually going to enter. I said, I'll go do it because they were having a talk. He was talking. Brother AJ was having a conversation. And when I woke, I ran into Raul. And then Raul put his hand around his arm around me. He said, Pastor, can I, can I lean on you for me? I need your help. I said, what do you need? I'm here to serve. I went from the foyer to the hallway, sent of God. He said, well, so said, what do you need, bro? I said, well, Ariana, man, she has a bad back pain. We went into the room. She's right on the board, but she's almost in tears from the pain in her back. I said, well, I'm glad you called him sent. That's what I do. It's not an accident that I went that way and found you, and you said, let's go pray. And it's not an accident that God healed Ariana in the room. Just delivered her just like that. He said, man, that's faster than Excedrin. That's faster than Tylenol. That's better than two ibuprofens in a nap. Man, let me tell you something, brother. When you're sent, you're prepared. God is in the sending. God's power is in the sending. God's ability is in the sending. When God sends you, the power of God abides in you. You're there for a reason. God sent you there. You're seeing it with your own eyes. God said, go over there and speak my word. I'm going to do a miracle right there, right now, right here. This is the will of God. That's how it works. And I would venture to say that some of you ought to want to you know, be involved in the things of God. You say, well, how do I get involved? Be sent. Just be sent. God has you there. You're there for a reason. Look, survey this last week. How many opportunities did God give to you to do a miracle but you walked on by? How many things last week did you with your own eyes perceive and you say, listen, I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I know that's not God. I didn't go to theology school, but I can tell you what's going on right there. The Lord didn't engineer that and God brought you right there to speak a word. But you like the Levite, you walked on by. You like the priest, you just walked on by. Mom and dad, you see some stuff going on with your kids? You think your answer is in a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a medicine cabinet? Or did God send you there? You, you have more faith in an educational system, in a process, than you do in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where God said, "I sent you there." A work, a work where you are, I'll perform right where you stand. Because I sent you. Will you tap yourself, close your eyes, and say it down deep. Don't don't say it because I said to say it. Say it from down. Let it resonate out of your heart. I've been sent of God. You, you, you see Elijah have to say a word. A, a, a word that when he said it would paralyze the whole of the nation. He's going to speak something that's going to cause the death and ill of lots of people. And if he's trying to be a people pleaser, he won't say it. He says there will be neither dew nor rain. That's dry. Until I speak it. From that moment on, he was a marked man. Everybody hated Elijah, except God. Let me say that one more time, because maybe maybe, maybe it didn't penetrate your heart. Everybody was looking for him. He was a marked man. He was a man on the run. God himself said, you need to go hide yourself, because everybody's going to be looking for you to take your life. And all he said was, there will be neither dew nor rain till I command it. And they hated his guts. I'll say like Alfalfa said, he was a scum between their (laughs) toes how many ever seen old school rascals (laughs) you're the scum between my toes that's bad when you're the scum between people's toes they hated him he's the man of God and is hated of the whole nation Do you know that when you do the will of God, you might say something that is so upsetting, but you're saying it because God sent you to say it. Do you know today that if I, as your pastor, begin to preach the messages you want to hear, then now you're my pastor. I don't come to preach messages so that you go home and say, oh, I heard a cute little message today. No, I want to tell you the truth. Because I will never love you any more than to tell you exactly what God told me. And I come here with that truth. I want to tell you what God said. And I want to say it the way he said it. So that when you leave here, you're not leaving with my opinion. You leave with God's opinion. Then you can make your decision which direction you want to go. I'm not here to find disciples. I'm not here to try to grow the church. I'm here to tell the truth. And that's the distinction in my life. Come who may, leave who may. I'm going to continue to tell the truth as I read it in this Bible. And the fact that you're even here is proof that God sent you here to hear the truth. Because it's the truth that sets you free, my friend. It's the truth that makes the difference. It's the truth that helps you to walk out the things of God. Friend, you need truth in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, you need truth. Touch your back and say, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Elijah's the marked man. He's telling the truth. People hate him. But he has a disposition in him. He loves God and hates everything else. Let me say that one more time. See, he has a disposition. I'm finishing with this. Daniel, if you want to come, where's Daniel? Come on up. You can start playing the keyboard. Everybody, start chilling. Be relaxing. Play a jazzy note or something. People will appreciate it. Check out Elijah. Elijah has a disposition. It's a holy disposition. You, you, you know what is disposition? I pray this be our disposition when we leave here today. I, I pray this be ours, right? Elijah uttered, he's saving the nation of Israel. Uh, they've apostatized themselves they're now worshiping Baal Uh, some of you know that the the prophet of groves is a worship of fertility and trees they were were tree lovers not God lovers The, the whole nation of Israel is now apostatized he shows up and says bring everybody to Mount Carmel bring all the prophets of Baal Bring all the prophets of the groves. Meet me at Mount Carmel. You know what he says to the nation of Israel? How long are you going to halt between two opinions? Let me give you a little bit of God. If there's a line of demarcation, right? One side is, one side is, cold, one side is hot, one side is lukewarm. God says there's luke, cold, and hot, warm. Jesus says he would rather have you, God says he'd rather have you cold or he'd rather have you hot. It's a line of demarcation, right? But if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Because nobody has a use for lukewarm water. How I many you know, I can use cold water. How many can use cold water? A lot of uses for cold water. That's good for lemonade, iced tea. Come on, somebody. Drinking water refreshes you, right? How many know that if you've ever been out working in the yard and, and, and what would you do if you came in and your wife said, listen, I got you some lukewarm water to drink. So I don't want that. How many know you could use hot water? Hot water has purpose. Good. How many know lukewarm water is nothing? God says, if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. So check this out. The disposition is this. He comes and he says, How long are you gonna be between two opinions? If Baal is God, then serve Baal. But if God is God, then serve God. Baal's God, serve Baal. If God's God, then serve God.